Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 277. I hope you're happy where you're at and you enjoy what you're doing. And if you're not, damn it, you should fix it. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Award-winning author and designer Dwight Knowlton has done it again. His book, The Greatest Race, is now available. The Greatest Race is the story of Sir Sterling Moss's epic and record-crushing win of the 1955 Mille Miglia in the Mercedes-Benz 300 SLR. In collaboration with Sir Sterling Moss himself, Dwight has created a wonderful children's book from this epic race as a follow-up to his best-selling book, The Little Red Racing Car. I have my own copy of The Greatest Race, and I can tell you, this kid's impressed. Like his previous book, this one is printed in the USA. Check out Dwight's Carpe Viem brand, where you can find both of his books, shirts, and more that embrace his seize-the-road philosophy. Enjoy Carpe Viem at carpegear.com, and be sure to sign up for his newsletter while you're at his website. That's carpegear.com, C-A-R-P-E-gear.com. Hello, automotive enthusiast. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Lynn Smith. Lynn, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I'm so tight in this seat, uh, I'll probably be here tomorrow. <laughs> wow, I'm glad you're prepared. I'll try to be gentle as we go down this drag strip oh, thank here. You. <laughs> Lynn Smith is a forensic mechanic and the owner of Smith & Company in Akron, Ohio. He's a lifelong drag racer, a master mechanic, king of the one-liners, and I've heard a mechanical genius. He's a certified master mechanic who investigates vehicle accidents and provides mechanical explanations for their causes. Very interesting. So, Lynn, I've told our listeners a little bit about you. Would you take a moment and share a little bit more about your business, your career, your interest, and, of course, your passion for automobiles? Well, thank you, Mark. I I certainly will. Uh, That sounded better. I I wish some people that knew me had the chance to listen to those kind (laughs) words, (laughs) but I'll take whatever I can get. There you go. Uh, Most of my life, uh, adult life, I've had a mechanical shop. Before that, I majored in education at good old Akron University, but knew I'd go to jail. So uh, I (laughs) thought that machines made a little more sense than people. And so uh, I stumbled into that world of work. And over the years, uh, I've taught auto tech at Stark State and Akron University and anybody that had low enough standards to let me in. (laughs) Some years ago, I stumbled into doing work for attorneys where they thought there might be a mechanical explanation to some accident event. So that turned into kind of a full-time job kept all the shop equipment, but uh, I don't do general work anymore. Primarily, I travel around the country and figure out, hopefully, why the brakes didn't work, or maybe they did, uh, and then testify about it. We had kidded about this one day, that when you tell people you're a mechanic who works with attorneys, most of the world thinks one lightning bolt might solve two problems. (laughs) And... uh, you know, that's the way I made my living and still do, 
back in the end of high school, I was dazzled uh, being taken to a drag race and thought, oh, my God, who could ever do that? And wouldn't that be wonderful? So starting about 61, the first time with my 53 Ford, I went down a drag strip and have kind of been doing it since. You know, that's kind of a bit of a background of uh, where I came from and maybe where I'm going. <laughs> well, I love a lot of aspects of this, the fact that you've been a drag racer forever and, and a car guy and a mechanic forever, but I really love the fact that you took your interest and passion for automobiles and, and transformed it into a vocation and this very interesting field of forensic mechanics. I'm really intrigued by this, and we'll learn a little bit more as we move through about the kinds of things that you encounter and explain to people that, you know, perhaps it wasn't the brakes, maybe it was the foot of the driver <laughs> that caused that accident, but we'll explain some of that a little bit later. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. And this is something that's been instrumental in forming your life and success. It's a great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? I know you're a racer, so Lynn, take the wheel. Well, that's nice of you to say. In looking at this and having talked to you a little bit before, there were a couple that kind of made sense to me. One that I'm reminded of just about every day was uh, when I'm brilliant, I'm always alone. <laughs> uh, but that's more to sh uh, snap me back to reality. A couple things, and maybe it was from years gone by, uh, somebody said you can delegate authority, but you can't delegate responsibility. Mm. And I always kind of like that. I don't like excuses. If things went well and I had something to do with it, they knew who to thank. And if there was a screw up, they knew who to blame. And I kind of liked that. And in working one sideline, I've always thought after majoring in education and not going to jail, that that was an area that might be worth doing some work in. So I do a lot of volunteer work and been on some state and local committees related to education. And I remember one quote that said, uh, uh, the reasonable man adapts himself to the world. The unreasonable man tries to adapt the world to himself. <laughs> Therefore, all progress depends on the unreasonable man. <laughs> and so uh, I've used that to rationalize why some people probably think I'm unreasonable, but it's usually I just don't wait well and uh, like to get things done. Absolutely. Well, I love all those quotes. I think they're all great. They all have some application with this uh, interesting field that you're in of Mechanical forensic, I, I think it's really fascinating. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about that time back when you watched cars go down a drag strip and thought to yourself, man, I'd love to do that. But is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew that Lynn was a car guy? Well, maybe that moment when you hoped he was. Uh, <laughs> I, I think back, you know, as a teenager, and there was a kid a few years older than me that hung out with some guys. And damn, if they didn't take, pull a flathead engine out of this old Ford coupe using an oak tree that was in front of their house. Mm. And I'm telling you, if, if they performed brain surgery, it would have been as remarkable to me. I thought, who could possibly do this? And we know now that that wasn't brain surgery. But it was just so, uh, you know, it made some sense, this 
thing actually came out and you could take it apart and it made some sense and it worked and it made a car go down the road. And I thought, you know, thinking back, when was a moment that you were dazzled by the work you get to do now? And of course, the technology is well beyond. But I think back to that stupid oak tree and the boy that I don't even remember his name, but when that engine separated and came out and hung on that tree, <laughs> I was I was hooked. And and then maybe when uh, I was without great prodding, but went to a drag strip with my buddies, and in our neck of the woods, and actually they were kind of nationally known, another Smith that wasn't part of my clan. But there was an O.D. Smith that had a speed shop in Akron and a double A altered. And I thought I had never seen anything go so fast, accelerate so hard. And to think one day, would it ever be possible? And it turned out it was because I have a 23T Roadster. And actually, as the technology moved on, it's faster than my old friend who passed away last year, Odie, than his car. But it's, you know, he was still at the uh, the lead of the game. Yeah. And we had one other fellow here that went on to do a lot of work with crane cams. And his name was Ron Hassel. And he had the most beautiful 40 willies. And I'm sitting there watching him leave the starting line. And that sucker picked up the wheels every time he shifted gears. And you know, I I was hooked. You know, you, you had to run home and tell somebody you had no idea what goes on at a drag strip. Yeah. You know, it's the most wonderful thing ever. And uh, those two were kind of seminal moments. And uh, I still think fondly. And, you know, they were my encouragement. And, and I'm sure they had no idea they were. <laughs> well, it's so cool. When I was a kid... I lived in Southern California. My father took me up to Orange County Raceway to watch the drags. And this was before Irvine even existed or 405, that freeway section there. And I remember watching Big Daddy Don Garlitz, who I interviewed here on Cars, yeah, not too long ago. And yeah, it just takes your breath away. It's hard to imagine unless you're there to actually see it and go, holy cow, those guys go really fast. Yes. I love those stories you're sharing. What I'd love to do now, Lynn, is go down some of the roads you've driven and crawl under the hood and, and get our hands a little dirty, something you're certainly not afraid of doing, and ask you to share a huge challenge or a great failure that you've faced along the way in your career. But the most important part of this has to do with how you overcame that situation and what did you learn from it? Well, you know, I, I think there's a kind of the way you're wired I always thought that you know each each uh, challenge was that an opportunity. I think of a few things. One was you know that it kind of snaps you back to reality as you go back in memory down memory lane. That how much we thought we knew, and it kind of humbles you because there is so much to know. You know, the smartest I ever was was probably when I was 17, mm. and I spent the rest of my life getting dumber. But <laughs> but life's better being dumb because you know uh, a, a guy sent me a note once. He said because screwing around in the world of education, which is a great disappointment to me, but within that it said education is not the filling of a pail, 
but the lighting of a fire. Mm. And I so believe that, and I also believe there's a lot of fire extinguishers in that world. But uh, I, I've been around, I, I think some great advice uh, given to me, and you hope pass on, is is live in an interesting world around interesting people. You had interviewed a close friend of mine. We share a building, or he lets me share his, uh, Myron Vernus. Oh, yes. He has a collection of some of the most eclectic, some one-of-a-kind vehicles. And a few years ago, uh, one uh, vehicle that had spent its most of its life in a museum and was truly a mystery car, and it was the, the one and only 1935 Hoffman. Mm-hmm. And they wanted it displayed at uh, Pebble Beach. And for about a year, the museum was trying to get it going. And two weeks before it had to leave for Pebble Beach, they were up against it. Myron had it shipped down to our shop. And the goal was there was water in the pan. There was a dead cylinder of this absolutely one-of-a-kind. Nobody knows where it came from. Within reason, a strange X-shaped engine. And he said, can we get that running? You know, there's so much more glory driving it onto the show field oh, yeah. instead of pushing it. And I thought, doggone, you know, AutoZone's going to be reasonably quiet about any <laughs> parts or help. I think so. My motors manuals didn't even, even my old ones mention it. But we got it done. And within that, one of the motivations was you didn't want to fail, both for your friend, you know, you hoped to be able to help your friend mm-hmm. but but within it this was the only one in the world i didn't want to be remembered as the guy that screwed up the hoffman yeah so everything i touched and doggone we drove it on to pebble beach at the end of that time and uh being out there people uh, are a little stuffier than they are in the midwest <laughs> but but us midwesterners we were talking to everybody and uh, there was a moment when the crowd that we were answering questions, and Myron was at the front end of the car, I'm at the back, and the crowd starts getting bigger. Well, foolish me, I'm thinking, I must be doing a hell of a good job. <laughs> the crowd's getting bigger. And then I realized it was Jay Leno had walked up behind me. Ah, okay. And uh, so I snapped back to reality. It was not my my prowess. It was... Leno, yeah, but uh, but what a nice guy too. But it was a a great challenge, both because we knew so little about it, yeah, and had to make so many things, and yet we got it done. So well, I'm kind of proud of that. I think so. And I saw you guys drive that car onto the lawn at Pebble Beach, and uh, I looked at my son who was with me at the time, and I said, "What is that?" He goes, "I, I don't know. I need to look that one up." <laughs> Never seen anything like that before. Uh, now we know the rest of the story. So yes, as Paul Harvey what a says, great line. People were coming up saying, "What's that?" And our response was, "We don't know. We yeah. hoped you would." Yeah, yeah. Could you help us get this thing running? We need to get it off the lawn. So, <laughs> yeah, very cool. Very cool. Well, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. Would you share one of those aha moments that you had in your career? A time when the headlights came on to illuminate your way for a new idea or a new direction you had, perhaps, and tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. 
Well, you know, I, I think it's probably not unique to me. Most people that are reasonably happy where they are, usually the aha moment, you know, I had contemplated this when you had mentioned that uh, that might be something we'd talk about. I think it wasn't so much an aha as it was just, my God, everybody's got to figure this out, that success is a whole lot more about hard work, preparation, and you make your own luck. So I had a chance out of college to run a maintenance department at a, one of our hospitals, and I was the youngest guy in the department. And then it dawned on me, the only way to advance in middle management is to put in some time and let somebody hire you away. Mm-hmm. It's more about keeping your job instead of doing your job. And a guy in the neighborhood just had screwed up a local gas station. <laughs> it was harder to fail than it was to succeed, and yet he managed. And I thought, could it be an opportunity? So uh, back in 1968, I started Smith's Pure Oil Service and, uh, and with the belief, uh, again, that I think I can do it. Yeah. It's what I look to to be around my spare time. Maybe it would be very good to be able to make your living doing something you enjoy. And the aha was, <clears throat> I guess it's about work. And I, I always, that never bothered me. But uh, I so liked being responsible for my own destiny. And uh, I knew that was the way I was wired. So maybe that was closer to an aha moment for me. You know, just that that's where it's going to be. I'm not probably ever going to be good at working for somebody else. Though I like working with somebody else, you know, as long as, uh, you know, the circumstances are uh, are good. Sure, and sure. There's a lot of that out there that is good. Yeah, absolutely. That's wonderful. I love it. That aha entrepreneurial moment. I need to do my own thing. How about proudest moments? I would assume over the many years you've had a lot of proud moments, but is there one in particular that stands out for you? Well, it, contemplating that as we talked a little while before, one, you know, kid from northeastern Ohio in 1973, my old A Street Roadster that was more state-of-the-art then than it is now, I won the All-American Nationals at Bristol, Tennessee, and beat the national record holder, and everything was good. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, and there was both, you know, again, some luck and preparation, and, but it was kind of the end of the air for my style car. You know, so there was a lot of transitions in technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was kind of its last hurrah, but it was a nice one, and it, it has held uh, a memory. But... You know, probably one of the the ones at a personal level without getting hokey. I, I, I don't, I've never felt that public schools do a great job and that the community should be more involved, especially businesses. And so since about 89, I've been haunting the public school system in Ohio. And back in 98, I developed a curriculum for auto technology that was really different and talked a superintendent into letting me try this. Mm -hmm. And we did it for about nine years. And uh, within that time, the Ohio's uh, Career Education Association, it was about 2,000 
educators that worked in career education awarded me the Outstanding Community Leader in Ohio for the work I did. Wow. And it wasn't just me because I put together a really good team of other auto tech people. And, uh, but, you know, I guess uh, if I, uh, you know, popped a cog today and you had to say, a couple things that I was proud of. Maybe those two would uh, would stand out. Well, congratulations on both of those. Fantastic. And I love the approach of getting businesses and more people involved with education. Amen to that. Definitely, we need that this day and age. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special vehicle? And if you could share a memory you had with that car with us. Oh, Lord, and probably caused Mom a lot of worry. <laughs> but uh, my first vehicle was a 1953 Ford that had a dead engine. And uh, and as smart as I thought I was, you know, it was still the challenge to get this stupid thing running and have a car to drive back and forth to school. You know, that was a big deal for a boy in, in high school back then. Oh, yeah. And uh, so my 53 Ford, and it was the first vehicle that ended up, first car I ever took down a drag strip, and finally it became an H-gas, flathead-powered, again, gasser of the day. And uh became my first kind of dedicated uh, drag race car. And uh, so that was probably a starting moment and then later in life in 68 is when I started me and a whole lot of help <laughs> started putting my a street roadster together that won Bristol but it was um, and I still have it and we still do exhibition runs with it and very cool it's still fast yeah <laughs> it's still, it dazzles old people and little kids I would imagine so, uh, so. <laughs> yes yeah, so uh, those two kind of cars were uh, important in my life. Sounds like it. Is there a vehicle that you've owned and sold that you really wish you could have back in your garage? <laughs> you know, when I was thinking of that, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, was there any buyer's remorse? I remember, you know, they say the mind can't remember pain. Mm -hmm. And it's true. I would have kept them all. You know, now I don't remember how bad and how much money some of them cost. You know, and it, they were just pits that sucked up your time and, and everything. Yeah. I don't think there was anything that I didn't just, you know, at this point, God, if I only had the, the space and, which would be silly because, you know, cars don't like to sit. Right. Uh, but I think I would have kept them all in a crazy <laughs> moment. I think that's cool. That's really cool. How about current projects? Is there something you're working on today that really has you excited and fired up? Well, a couple things, you know, again, uh, relating to my really good friend, Myron Vernus and his collection, he keeps getting things that I've never heard of, let alone seen. So there's a number of those. We've got about 70 cars in his collection. And if you want something to do, there's something to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the other is I've always wanted uh, my Roadster is a uh, late style Hemi uh, on alcohol and Hillborn fuel injected with a clutch flight. All the old technology that wasn't old when I started. I've always wanted uh, a double A, which was a supercharged version. So I've been 
I finally got all the pieces and parts to put a blower motor together uh, in my old antique, old technology, high boy street roadster, mm. to which my wife probably had the most uh, insightful comment <laughs> as I was putting these parts together. As she had said, uh, you know, that car's just about dangerous now, and we want to do what? Mm. And, uh, <laughs> that means she loves you. <laughs> well, either that or she's figured out the way to get rid of me. Yeah, uh, get that life insurance that, increased a little bit. <laughs> oh, I think. I, I'm operating well above my pay grade. I'm pretty lucky with the the team I have. But, yeah, very uh, There cool. is probably a certain ridiculousness to putting a you know a 511-inch blown alcohol motor in this car that was, well... Anyhow, it may still come to pass here, and it it excites me, if nobody else. Yeah, sounds very exciting. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Lynn. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be, and why? Lord, I think it would probably be in the category of a drag race car. I was always dazzled by Aldards and Gassers, probably more Aldards. They were just so exciting at so many levels. And uh, I think, too, you know, in my sport, when, when people say they don't get it, it happens too quick. I say, you know, that really is kind of, I, I, I don't have a couple miles to make up an error or a lack of planning that might be in a 500-mile race. I got an eighth mile or a quarter mile and about nine seconds to make sure everything works right. <laughs> so it's both the challenge and pressure, but it's immediate. And I think uh, being one who uh, likes to, uh, I don't know, I don't think it's attention deficit disorder, but I, I'm impatient. I like to get things done and get on to another challenge. And I think maybe that match up with, uh, with short, quick, events make more sense than uh, uh i'm not a marathon guy i'm more a sprinter i think <laughs> that's why i love that question so much it really brings out some as i say introspective thought for most people so i appreciate that i love it so lynn up next is the last lap but before we put the pedal to the metal and the christmas tree lights up let's say thank you to today's sponsor no more worries about a dead battery. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium-ion technology that'll start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle every time. It includes a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight, and it easily recharges with USB outlet so you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool. It's safe and easy to use. Quality, design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Okay, Lynn, we're back and we're entering the last lap, or the last quarter mile in your case, and this is where I fire off a series of questions and you give our listeners some real quick Blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? I'll do my best. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? Take the time to do it right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nobody remembers who ran second. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success? 
I think I'm basically a doubting Thomas. I ask a lot of questions. I don't take things at face value. I double check. And I think that's both, uh, you know, that used to think that things were a long way away on a continuum when you realize a lot of your characteristics are really the flip side of a, a fairly thin coin. So uh, being thorough, being uh, double-checking things tend to, I think, at least for me, have made things work out better. I'd, I'd rather do it right the first time than make up excuses and do it again. Well, especially given being a forensic mechanic, so, so important because in trials, uh, boy, boy, there's people and lives and businesses at stake. So uh, that's a very good attribute to have for the profession you're in today. And that was very profound in the sense of I often think I get to do really interesting things, a lot of variety uh, with all kind of vehicles. Mm Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, often it's a very serious personal event that brings me to it. So it's kind of humbling. You can get overwhelmed by just the sheer enjoyment of getting to figure some of this out. But maybe it's somebody's life that was involved, and it kind of tempers that feeling. Do you have a resource that you'd like to share with the Cars Yeah listeners that you think they would enjoy? If you were giving sagely advice, I found... It's not so much the book or the place as it is I have been lucky enough to surround myself with some pretty sharp, interesting people. And I found that I can tap into that as easy and with maybe more success than a website or a manual. But uh, being around sharp people and keeping them close and not driving them crazy <laughs> has been a great help to me. Oh, very astute. You know, I've always thought we're, we are the culmination of the, probably the top five people we surround ourselves with mostly, and uh, it really does make a huge difference. How about a book? Is there one book in particular you believe the listeners would enjoy reading? You know, I hope I'm not wearing you out, but I, there's really two. And one I actually used in teaching a class at Stark State College for advanced diagnostics. And it'll sound crazy, but it was a book out of the 70s called Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. Oh, yes. And it was by uh, Piercing. I used it as a textbook. And, wow. that and, You know, that's very interesting. My son gave me that book. He's very into philosophy and uh, I found it a bit of a challenge the first time I read through it because it yes. wasn't what I expected. And so I had to slow down, exactly. and thankfully he had annotated the book, so he helped me along quite a bit. But I think I find it very interesting that you use that as a textbook. Yes, because it, it was the search of quality, and it was a technical report writer that uh, was analyzing, and he was uh, analyzing his life. But it had more to do with the way you think mm-hmm. than it did about either Zen, motorcycles, or maintenance. Yes. And, and I found half the class thought, this is the neatest class I've ever been in, to, in my life. <laughs> and the other half tend, tended to be the older guys said, what in the world is this screwball doing? Just tell me how to fix the damn car. Right, <laughs> right. Read the book. You'll fix the car better. Yeah. And the other one that it just I, I, it just warms the cockles of my heart, and they'll probably think I'm a heathen, but it was called Illusions, 
The Adventures of a Reluctant Messiah. Oh. It was by Richard Bach, the guy that wrote Jonathan Livingston Seagull. Oh, yes, I remember that book. And he thought this was the book that said what he wanted to say, though probably Jonathan Livingston Seagull was a more commercial success. Yes. He liked illusions. And it was a short read, and you just I just go back and read it now and then to remind myself what I really believe. Very cool. Well, that's the first time that particular book has been suggested here. Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance has been suggested by several guests, but the other book, yeah, that's the first one. So we'll add that to the Cars Yeah recommended readers list. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources Lynn has shared with us at carsyeah.com slash Lynn L-Y-N Smith. That's right, because Mom wanted a girl. <laughs> well, <laughs> sorry, Mom. You, you got, something, yeah, I got something pretty darn cool there. <laughs> all, all my mail from the university when I was a kid used to come addressed to Miss Smith. Miss Smith. And they always sent me notice of majorette tryouts and mother-daughter sorority teas. Yeah. And I was too shy to go. I'd go now. Of course. <laughs> now that you know, it really doesn't matter, so... All right, well, we're up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy for a car guy like you, Lynn. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the cost. Today I'll buy you whatever car that exists on the planet. What would that one vehicle be and why? You know, and I hope it doesn't sound presumptuous, but maybe it's a sign of a satisfied man. <laughs> I'd keep my A Street Roadster. Wow. <laughs> has offered, I've had it since 68, it has open doors. It has allowed me to have a link to kids in school. It taught math and science. It's got me into places that uh, I shouldn't have been just because <laughs> that people were intrigued with the car, and I've milked it, I've used it, and I'm just a satisfied man. I, I, I kid my wife that I said, you should hold this hopeful it looks like anything I like, I keep forever. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I, my garage is full of that, you know, making that case. But I hope it, it sounds, I hope it's humble enough. It's just, I'm so glad I have it for much more than I enjoy driving it. It, uh, it is kind of a symbol of something that uh, has been a big part of my life. It's a symbol of fortune, and you are a fortunate man in many, many ways, and I love this. I've had several guests on the show that have responded the same way. I have my, the car of my dreams, and those of you who do are truly, truly fortunate. Lynn, you have taken me on a great ride today. I've really enjoyed your stories. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the drag strip in that A Street Roadster? Well, uh, one of these days I'm going to have to do it with my eyes open and, <laughs> and, and without abject fear on my face. But uh, first, it's just such a compliment to think you would have found me and asked me to participate. It's my I pleasure. I certainly hope in a very humble way that uh, people listening to this know at the end of the day I'm a mechanic from East Akron and uh, enjoy what I do and would wish if there's a great parting thought, what would be a better wish than I hope you're happy where you're at and you enjoy what you're doing. And if you're not, uh, damn it, you should fix it. Yes. Great words of wisdom from a guy who's been around, been there, 
and done that. And the pleasure's all mine to have you as a guest here today, Lynn. You know, Cars yeah! is all about people who figured out how to wrap their passion for automobiles into their vocation. And you are the class act for that description for sure. What's the best way for our listeners to learn a little bit more about you and your business? Well, uh, the picture in the post office is not a good place to start. <laughs> Don't start there. No. Nope. <laughs> no, no. There is a very simplistic, almost, you know, it shows how, how little I know. But uh, if anybody just searched Smith and Company, and it's just Appersand CO period, or Smith and Experts, there you go. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything, including Lynn's webpage here at carsyad.com. Just put Lynn, L-Y-N, in the search box. His show notes page will pop up with links, and uh, you'll find everything that he's recommended there. Lynn, thank you for being so generous today with your time and for sharing your expertise and your experience with the listeners and with me. It's been a great pleasure. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Amen, and and thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.